The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here at the historic Claremont Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sitting down with a comedian. Jared Freed is his name. He's a stand-up comic. He's also the host of the wildly successful podcast, J-Train. And he also co-hosts You Up, which is a podcast on modern dating. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is great. Welcome to my humble abode. Yeah, this is <laughs> my, my gross hotel room. <laughs> thank you for uh, coming out here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about Atlanta as a comedy scene. Um, I like Atlanta. I, I, I like Atlanta because people here like me. You know, you go wherever... People will come out. Um, Atlanta, you know, from the few times I've performed here, it it's um, it kind of feels. I said this, and I don't mean this. I don't know how this is going to sound, but it, it's like a sophisticated town in the sense that sometimes you'll say things. And I have a lot of women that come out to my shows. Uh, um, yeah, you do. They like. <laughs> I give dating advice, and they like hearing the guy's perspective, so a lot of them have become uh, fans of what I do, which is very nice. Um, but I think, like, if you go to sometimes, you go to Philadelphia, and you talk about certain subjects, and they're like, yeah! Here, they're like, ooh. <laughs> you know, like, if you get kind of cross the line a little bit, and it's like, you know, there's a little bit of thought of, how does this look about me laughing at certain ideas yeah. and subjects? There's more of a... This is just my, from my few times during shows, there's just more of a, when you, they're not at the show, it's not you, the the performer and the audience. There's, it kind of feels like there's the performer, the audience, and then the audience around me that I have to think about how I'm going to look for laughing or being engaged with this. Hmm. Did you imagine this life that you have as a comedian? No, not at all. This you didn't? No, this is, this wasn't the plan. This was, um, I, I went to college. I was an economics degree at, from Penn State. Um, I'm not, you know, a lot of comics will sit and tell you, you know, they can give you a whole story about, you know, this, this dumpster they grew up in and that's why they became a comedian. I don't have that story. My story is a lot like the people who come out to see me. I've, I love my parents. I love my brother. I like my family. Um, I went to a good school. I went to good public schools. I went to a good college. I tried to work in finance. I sold life insurance and annuities and mutual funds. And that world just wasn't for me. I, I was jealous of people who loved doing that because hmm. a lot of people, they'll go, they'll, when I say, well, I left selling life insurance to become a comedian, they'll go, good, good for you. And I'm like, I don't see it that way at all. I, I wish I was good at that and it was it would be easier. Like I wish... I wish I loved what doing, you know, I remember being in that office being not happy and seeing people jazz about the day. And I was like, you know, I can't, I wish I enjoyed this as much as you seem to enjoy it. And then I just, the best part of my day was writing funny emails to friends. So I was like, how do I do that? You know, whenever I was on an email chain and one person would write back to me directly and go, that was hilarious. That made my day. That made my day. So I was like, how do I inject that drug into my veins every day of my life? And how do I 
do that where it's while also making a living, you know, and that the realities of that. And so I've just, every day I've just put my time into creating things that I would enjoy reading at work or reading on the subway or on the bathroom, on the toilet. You know, what would I like to read? So I try to put that stuff out there and with the podcasts and writing columns and if you look at my Instagram, my Instagram is a thousand different things. You yeah. know, it's it's tweets, it's pictures, it's me screaming at the TV when The Bachelor's on, it's <laughs> it's uh, me screaming at the TV when a romantic comedy's on. All those things are just, it's just, it, whatever it is, be funny and hopefully people enjoy it as much as I enjoy doing it. Well, what would you say is the hardest thing about what you're doing, about being a comedian? The hardest thing about being a comedian is being funny. <laughs> That's the hardest thing. You know, I'm, uh, I, people don't, it's a different thing. Like, you know, I was always, you know, funny with my friends. I had funny friends. I always like, you know, just like I said before, making your friend, you know, the group email. But there's a difference between being funny for your friends and being funny for a group of people that have never met you before and getting them to trust you in that way because everyone's, funny in some way everyone has a good personality but there's a difference between having a good personality and being funny on stage and you realize that i remember first open mic i did you realize you're like oh this is different (laughs) this is this is a much different thing and you know a lot of comics if you do this every night you start to respect it more and more you're like oh and you see the people that are good and the people that are great and you're like you know that took years and you know sometimes i i don't think stand-ups especially get you know people a lot i don't think some people don't realize that how long Mm. it takes and how hard it is and how you'll write something down a thousand different times and then it'll never work and you're like this is funny then one switch of words and then all of a sudden it unlocked everything and people are laughing Mm. well ladies and gentlemen as i mentioned we are at the historic Claremont Hotel. And if we go outside of this hotel and we walk just a little ways, we're <laughs> at another historic place. And that's, we'll call it a, a night entertainment spot. I think they call it a strip club. <laughs> I think it's a strip club. I, so I had heard of the Claremont, uh, Hotel Claremont as they call it. Right. Um, I, I know it's historic. Well, so... When I go to a city, I'll put on Instagram I'll, on stories or whatever. I'll be like, "Hey, where where should I go?" And um, a lot of people suggested the Claremont Lounge, which is the strip club that's downstairs. Right. What I didn't know is that this hotel, I guess, was just redone, and now it's a beautiful hotel, and it's kind of like I call it like I, I would call it like a hipster Ritz. <laughs> you know, like they fair got like, enough. yeah, they got like bunk bedrooms and they, you know, downstairs they got fair trade coffee and that whole thing. And they'll tell you how great, you know, the farm to table, whatever, and everything's a thing, which I'm okay with. And I kind of roll my eyes at myself, but it is a fairly priced hotel that is very nice. The bathrooms are nice. And then they have this strip club downstairs that literally when you check in they're like and will you be joining us at our strip club tonight and you're like what (laughs) and i the lot of the messages i got over instagram were like they were i want to say this as nicely as possible but these were fans of mine were like this was like a punchline to them they were like oh go to the claremont lounge you'll see we're you know old strippers and i'm like 
well, that sounds, I don't know if that's what I'm looking to do. And then the last time I was here, I was here with a friend uh, opening for her and we went, we stayed here right? and we went down the lounge and we walked in and we were like, this is, this is like a, a, a fun dive bar. Right. And the music's on, people are having a great time. I'm like, this is my scene. You know, like there's a, people drinking beers, having fun. And then we find two seats at the bar and we start and we see that the strippers are different than other places. They are all shapes and sizes. Okay. And all looks and all, all types. And we start talking to the bartender and she's the owner's daughter, I think. And she was so nice. And she started explaining to us the history and how they treat the, the performers and how they, you know, how seriously they take it. And you're like, this is actually really nice. You know, this is not being explained to me the way it is. And I had such, we had such a good night there. We, you know, we got t-shirts and um, we, you know, just hearing how it was taken seriously. And it wasn't just like, you know, they, the messages I got about it weren't the same as what it is. And I was like, I got to come back here. And I went last night, same bartender. She's like, hey, remembered me, had a drink for me, got me, you know, gave me a couple drinks and sat there with, you know, with the performers performing and, you know, giving dollar bills. But it it didn't feel like the way it was explained. So I would encourage everyone to go to the Claremont Lounge. I think it's a nice night. Well, with that being said, sure. uh, and, and granted, the Claremont Lounge is a lot different from most strip clubs. Yes. What does Jared Freed think about strip clubs? What do I think about strip clubs? Um, I'm not generally... I I like when it's like that. Like when it's like you could... I like when a strip club doesn't feel... It's like a bar and a strip club. You know, where it's like, I like any strip club a woman could go to and have a good time is a good strip club. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Because I've gone, um, and and not to make this racial, but there's such a thing as black strip clubs. True. And they, they exist here, too. Um, but I used to go to, with my friends in the Bronx, we would go to a very specific strip club that's closed down now. And you walk in and you're like... Listen, the women are all types. It looked like the Dove body campaign. And <laughs> and there's women there hanging out and it doesn't feel like just men at a at a bar throwing money. It right. felt like, "Oh, we're all having fun and the women are a part of this and also, you know, stripping is a part of this too." <laughs> so, right. that to me, anywhere a woman can go and feel comfortable is a good strip club. And that happens more to me, from what what I notice, is it happens more at black strip clubs than it does at maybe the, you know, quote unquote, one that has more white men that go. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So as I mentioned at the top, you've got this podcast, J Train. Sure. I think you're 300 episodes in. I've done a lot of J Train episodes. I don't. We for some reason podcasts have entered into this. We're going to count every episode yeah. as if they're leading to some <laughs> number that we don't know. I've never counted. Um, I know I've done it for a lot of years now, uh, and we were at once a week, and now we're at twice a week. And yeah, it's it's a lot. There's a lot out there. Why do you do it? I really enjoy like radio like i like i always listen to talk radio growing up i like sports talk radio 
it's always, and, and I like podcasts. I'm a fan of the medium. So I've always been listening to podcasts. I've always been, you know, enjoying. So I was like, what would a show that I would enjoy? And so I started doing it with, it started as the TFM podcast. And that was um, uh, Total Frat Move is a website out of Austin. I had been writing for them. I was like, hey, you should do a podcast. I'll host it. They're like, what's a podcast? I was like, perfect. So then I found a studio, studio produced it, I hosted it, they promoted it, now we got a team. Uh, podcast became very popular, they wanted to do their own thing, so I was like, great, let me take my show and leave and I'll give it a new name. It's called the J Train Podcast and really I just started, in the beginning I started getting all these emails from listeners asking for advice and that's kind of the way we went. And I get like 50 emails a week and it's all kind of lifestyle questions and I am not an expert. But I'm someone who will take your question seriously. There's no issue that is wrong to send in. And now we live in a time where there's so many important things going on that a lot of your luxury problems get kind of like brushed aside. So what does he mean by this text is one of those things that people go, come on, come on. We got, you know, there's politics. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll shut up now. But my show takes it seriously. And it's been called, at the beginning, it was a lot of men that listened. It was called, De- someone called the Dear Abby for Dudes. And that was fun. And now a lot of women have gotten involved. And I think a lot of women right now that are out there dating, they are, uh, they want the male perspective on what's going on in the dating world. And there's a lot of lies going on. Men are kind of in the driver's seat when it comes to da- uh, dating right now, just because Uh, And that's not to pander to the women. I do believe that because we never owned a thought in the female brain. And now with dating apps where someone's telling you, I've swiped you right, you are good looking enough to me to swipe right, whatever amount that is, that's a thought we own in their head. And it gave men who are already lazy a chance to be lazier. So a lot of women are wondering what's going on? Why is this happening? And I've kind of become a spy who's turned on my own. And and I'm giving them information that they, and in a non-hateful way. And I think a lot of men who give dating advice, they're like, they're crude and they're not really empathizing with the female position. And I think what I've done well and the reason people listen is there's no stupid question and you're not crazy for feeling this way. And I try to say that with every email, even when I disagree with the emailer. Hmm. Listen. How you, you can't tell someone how to feel. How you feel is how you feel. But let me tell you how this sounds to me and how I feel is how I feel. But I'm also probably 10% away from the guy you're dating. We're not that special. The, the great disappointment of the internet is finding out that we're a lot like people from every place in this country. So whoever you're dating is 10% away from me. Maybe he doesn't agree with me wholly, but there's a piece of what I'm saying that's on board with what the guy you're dating is thinking. Very interesting. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistake women make in relationships? This has been a new thing. I think the mistake in, you know, in this era, I don't want to mansplain how the, you know, the mistakes are made, but a lot, I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of DMS and, a lot of the DMs and emails go the same way. They'll go, he does this, he does that, he does this. Why isn't it, does he like me? And it's like, think of how backwards that is. No man does that. You know, where we go, well, she disappointed me there, she disappointed me there, she disappointed me there. 
does he does she like me? And it's like, I think women need to do a better job. And sometimes this happens for men, but of owning their standard, where they go, hey, I need a guy who will text me. It's okay to say you want a guy who will text you during the day. It's okay to say you want to be taken on a date. It's okay to say I want to be able to stay in with someone on a Saturday night. The guy you're seeing isn't doing those things. He's not amounting to your standard. You don't like him. And do you see the difference where it's like, I think a lot of women just don't own what they want enough. It's okay. Listen, things, sometimes people disappoint you and you give them a second chance, but a lot of the DMs and messages and emails that I get are all kind of this backwards, like, why won't, why won't he text me? And why won't he do this? And it's like, do you don't even like this guy? You just said seven different things that are wrong with him. Why don't you dump him, get rid of him and find the right person? And I, and this isn't female male. This is everyone. Everyone just doesn't want to be alone. And I think there's a lot of fear that if I lose, if this mediocre hand I put to the middle of the, the table, I won't find a better hand. And you will. It's not better in the eyes of society. It's better in your eyes. It's your taste. It's your standard. And I think a lot of women put their standards in the guy's hands or in their friend's hands when you should own what you want more, I think. On the other side of the coin, and I'm sure Sure. this is a doozy, but what do you see as the biggest mistake that men make in relationships? I think... um, I think the biggest mistake men make is uh, the their ego. I think the male ego is a is a beast that never goes away. You know, like you know that feeling of like you know guys are chasing ghosts. You know, I was just watching. You know, the guys are just. I think a lot of times guys will you know think that. I, I I had heard once that women very rarely think of the guy that got away. But men, it's a very male thing to go, the one that got away, the one that slipped through my fingers. And I think that happens to men because their ego gets ahead of them. Because this woman likes me, well, there must be better out there. And now because of Insta, because of the disposability of of people with the dating apps, guys are saying, well, there's... 30 million women in my pocket that I could get that might, there might be one that is better than the one I'm with. And I, and I think because of that, a lot of men are running away from what could be great relationships. Well put. (laughs) So what does Jared Freed look for in a woman? (laughs) I, I, the the things that work for me are different than the, the thing is like, I've dated a lot of women where I'm like this, I'm I'm in a relationship now. Um, I love my girlfriend. I'm very happy with her. We're very new. We're not even a year in, but this is definitely the best relationship I've been in. Um, I, the other relationships I've been in, like, I don't look down on any relationship I've had. I, I think like it just wasn't the match. It wasn't that they made mistakes or I mean, they might look at me and they go, well, that guy, you know, they, there's, they're probably out there going, yeah, Jared's the biggest asshole in the world. And look at, he's an idiot that gives dating advice. What does he know? I'm sure they're saying that. Um, but I think for me, it's finding, you know, someone that it was always just about finding the right match and finding someone that felt like family. 
And I think that's like a good standard to live by. I love, I told you in the beginning, I'm not one of those comics that's like, you know, and you meet a lot of comics who are like, I came from the darkness and now I'm in the light to show you about the darkness. And it's like, I'm not that way. Um, I was looking for someone that like fit with me like my family fits with me. I like going home for Thanksgiving. I like going to dinner with my family. I like going on vacations with my family. I like hanging out with my brother. So it's like, who would I want involved in that group? And that's kind of what I've always been kind of looking for. And I, I do feel that way with the person I'm dating now. And it's going well. But also, I think uh, a lot of dating is less romantic and more practical. And I think um, a lot of people get taken, you know, are looking for the romantic when they should be centering on the practical. Does this person, can I sit silently with this person? Like that to me is more important than, well, do they bring me roses on, you know, New Year's? And it's like, I don't know. That, what does that even do? You know, can I sit with you and in sweatpants and feel fat and tell you I feel fat and you look at me and say, I feel fat. And then we don't touch each other the rest of the night. Good relationship. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about the, the podcast that you co-host. Sure. You up. And you, you host that with Jordana... Uh, Abraham? Yep. Why does she make a good co-host? What about your dynamics? So You Up was started about a year and a half, maybe almost two years ago now, um, with Betches. Betches is a huge media company that is a female-driven comedy media. Like, huge. Um, I was lucky enough that I'm friendly with the Betches, three three women that started a company. And they're, like, amazing. They, you know... Forbes 30 under 30, like killing it. And we had a relationship because I I had them as guests on my podcast and then I helped them start their own podcast by connecting them with, I mean, help them. I, can, I wrote one email. <laughs> so, um, but we've always just gotten along. Um, and so they were like, hey, we want to start a podcast where it's the male and female perspective on modern dating. And I was like, this is great. I was like, I kind of do similar to that. And they're like, yeah, but this is for our, you're going to, this is our audience. I think we want to make it in the Betches way. And I'm like, this is great. So um, Jordana has been amazing because I think the the key to the show is, and I said this with my show, no judgment. I empathize a lot of times with the unempathizable. We had an email come in and, and Jordana lets me do that. It, it'd be very easy for Jordana to look at me and go, Jared, you're an asshole. And it's like, no, let's talk this out. This is the show. And she doesn't do that ever. She always goes, okay, well, and will question me on it, get it and have the conversation with me. And I think a lot of times right now, with social media and with, you know, what happens in your brunch group is you have to sound right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this lives in the gray. It's murky. Dating and relationships and guys wanting to have sex. That's, that's you're getting under the rug of a situation. It's not going to look clean. And relationships aren't clean. I, my girlfriend, her friend saw my profile on a dating app a week ago. And I just told you I love my girlfriend. How are you on a date? Well, I deleted the app. And didn't delete my profile. And I, and then every time I tried to show her, every time I tried to explain it to my girlfriend, it just sounded like I was a liar. 
look, look, it's not on my phone anymore. And it's like, yeah, you sound like, <laughs> like, I swear I didn't do it. You know, like it sounds like I didn't kill the guy. You know, it's like one of those. And um, with Jordana, she could very easily go, yeah, you're a dick. But she doesn't. She will, and she, and that's what makes the show work, I think, is she goes, well, why this? Why? Because a lot of women, a lot of people, but also the women that write in, they don't want to know what to do. They want to know why it happened. Why did the guy ghost? Why did he, why is his profile still on the dating app? Why, you know, and, and for me, I can always speak from my perspective, which is, well, here's why it happened for me. And. Yeah, I deleted the app. I can say it on the podcast. Yeah, I deleted the app and I forgot to delete the profile because who goes back to to clean up in that way? Guys just don't do that. Right. And Jordana's perfect for that because she she doesn't make me look like an evil monster. <laughs> and and it could be it's very easy. We're right at the line of we had someone write in um that they found condoms in the in his dob kit, you know, the, in the the bathroom kit before he left for a bachelor party. Ooh. So, like, on that, we could, you could sit there, you know, you go to brunch with your friends, everyone goes, he's a dick, dump him. Yeah. That, that's the only, but we dove into it. We gave it its time. We gave the discussion. I said, let me, let me take his side for a second. Okay? And it's like... And I said to her, and like, I was like, listen, he, he doesn't want to cheat on you, but this is a very obvious sign that he's leaving that door open. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say he doesn't care about you or doesn't, but, you know, and having that conversation, and it's, that's why a podcast is so great, you know it, is just, you can hear the, it's not clean. Twitter is, done. It's your opinion hard. That's it. That's why people got so mad at tweets. It's harder to get mad at podcasts because you go, you can hear me right now. Uh, you know, you hear the, you're trying to put together the words. You can hear that I care about what I'm saying. You can hear that, you know, there's thought going into it. And, 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 it's, and you don't feel really 100%. You can hear that in a voice. You can't hear that in a tweet. True, very true. I'm hoping you can tell us about a conversation you had with a comedian, okay. Bill Sheft. Okay. <laughs> and I, I thought that was very interesting. If yeah. you could tell the, the listeners about it. Well, I don't think Bill Sheft would even remember the conversation we had. When I first started comedy, I was just like looking for advice from wherever I could get it. And a uh, friend of a friend of a friend would always hook me up with, oh, this guy does comedy. This, And I knew, then I looked him up and he was like a legendary writer for Letterman. So, and so we got on the phone and he was very nice to take the time to talk to me. And just his perspective on getting into comedy wasn't like, have fun kids. You know, it was more like, you know, you have to, my takeaway, he probably doesn't remember this, so I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, and he was very nice, but it did feel like he was being realistic of like, okay, you have to, there's going to be a way, a time where you're going to have to weigh, you know, having a career and having fun in this, and what, you know, and also so few people that do stand-up get the prize of stand-up, and that's not something he said, but I'm saying that's the realization of the conversation, it's like, you know, you know, Becoming a writer on a show, 
that's a decision people make and they do it for a lot of different reasons. There's security as much as that sounds crazy in the TV world, but there's, you know, there's health insurance and joining the writers guild. You know, they're going through their whole thing with the WGA right now. Like they're fighting for their, you know, compensation rights or whatever it is. I don't, I know very little, but I'm saying the, in comedy you have, there's a constant, as you get older doing stand-up or any comedy in general, there's a constant decision between art, I hate to call it art because I talk about farts, but it's um, a decision between doing comedy and what what you'll be paid and security and the, what can you, and so the conversation with him was a, a realistic moment, just like relationships. You can romanticize all you want, but there's practicality to all your relationships. There's there's a romanticism to comedy. You know, go on the road and, you know, shows every night and, you know, telling jokes and everyone's laughing hysterically. But then there's the practicality. Don't you want to have a wife and kids? Don't you want to send them to college? How are you going to do that? Are you making enough money doing stand-up? Do you need another job? Do you need another... Do you need to start working on other stuff? And for me, personally, that's why a lot of the reason that I, I, I just never... F- I was like, okay, I need to create my own things. I can't wait for people to come to me and figure out that, you know, that I'm a genius like my mom already thinks I am. (laughs) So (laughs) I, that's why I created the podcast. That's why every day I'm thinking about comedy, how to make things funny. That's why on my Instagram, you go to my highlights, there's me watching The Bachelor, me watching romantic comedies. To me, those are TV shows. Those are all pitchable things. So... I kind of think of Instagram right now as like an incubator. How do I, you know, what connects with people? What, you know, what, how could this turn into a job? And so it's like, I've always said, I want to be funny for money. And I think a lot of comics don't like to talk about that or like don't like to, because it doesn't sound cool. It doesn't sound rock starish. But I mean, to me, that's the reality of life. You have to weigh, do it. And also that's anything you, doing anything you love, you have to weigh the reality of it. And how do I make this work? So, What would you say is the best thing about having the perspective that you do? <laughs> the best thing about being Jared Freed? Um, the best thing, I mean, this is, I mean, anyone, I, I, I know I'm very lucky. You know, so it's, I, I get to go and I'm doing something I really enjoy doing. So that's got to be the best. I know there's a lot of people, listen, and maybe I won't be this way. Maybe 20 years from now, you'll, I'll be like, yeah, I did the thing I like doing and now I have to do something serious. Mm-hmm. Um, that weighs on me. Um, but that's probably the best thing is I'm doing something that, you know, I know a lot of people would, I know a lot of comedians that would cut off a finger to go do four sold out shows in Atlanta. Just, just to do that, you know? And I, I understand that that's a very lucky thing. I always like to end the interview. I just give the guest the stage. Sure. I, I mean, I, 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 you can see I can't shut up. So. No, no. <laughs> but uh, we don't know who's watching. Sure. What would you say to anybody who's tuned in? Totally open-ended. Totally Anyone who's tuned in. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I get. I feel like you know. 
I don't know. I hate, I, I like hate motivational quotes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I hate reading those. Like I'm like, who are you to tell me? You know, like I don't know what I feel like. I don't know what's to be gained of like, what can I tell someone <laughs> that they don't already know? Um, also, like you know, the one thing. Um, no, I don't know. I, I wish I had a better answer. That I. No, I, I like, like I don't like. This whole thing is like, you know, what we're talking about is like practicality versus romanticism and all that stuff. So it's like, you know, when someone like I feel like I I once tweeted this. It was like the Internet is full of people telling you to follow their dreams uh, (laughs) while while making no money. Like like uh, something like that. Like it's full of people like telling you to follow their dreams while doing it from their mom's couch. Like that's the Internet. And it's like, no, there's realistic things. We all have to do things we don't want to do to get to do the things we do want to do. And I think it's always weighing those things. Very true. Well, Jared Freed, everyone out there, you can visit jaredfreed.com. Yeah. F-R-E-I-D. F-R-E-I-D. If you're on Instagram, at Jared Freed. I mention Instagram a lot just because, like, that's the hub of my wheel. Yeah. I love interacting with people on there, putting stuff out there, and putting jokes on there, and it's... ABF, baby, always be funny. So it's like, as long as it's funny, it's on there. I don't try, you know, and if you don't, the thing that I've been blocking a lot of people and people are like, oh, you block people? I'm like, yeah, if you're not having as much fun as me, get out of here. Leave the party. So uh, I do enjoy Instagram. Jared Freed, it's been a a great pleasure. Pleasure, man. Thank you for coming out here. Really appreciate it. Right. Goodbye.